artistic director Gabriel Stelion Shanks. Welcome to the Drama League's Hashtag Collaboration, our digital video and podcast series where some of America's most influential artists sit down together to discuss the unique cooperation and teamwork that lies inside every great piece of theater, television, or film. Hashtag Collaboration reminds us that the magic we enjoy on our stages and screens always begins with great minds coming together around an idea. To watch more, you can visit dramaleague.org and click on Digital Series, or simply search for the Drama League wherever you find your podcasts. And now sit back and enjoy Hashtag Collaboration. I'm Jenna Worsham. I'm the director of The Siblings Play at Rattlestick. Hi, I'm Randara Santiago, and I'm the playwright for The Siblings Play at Rattlestick. What's The Siblings Play about? The way that I've been describing it is The Siblings Play is a coming-of-age story most people don't see. Um, it's an intergenerational coming-of-age story. Um, it's about a family. It's about siblings that live in Harlem um, that are just dealing with trying to get through. Every day is just about trying to get through. And the ways in which we make choices because we have to and they're hard choices and um, the fallout of that and just trying to take care of each other while trying to hold up all the spinning plates. Um, it's about love. It's pretty funny and it's pretty devastating. I would also, you know, describe it as a play that like, you know, in its fundamental core, it's a play that's a great American family drama. Um, it's a lot about, you know, the way that an American family is struggling in the wake of um, circumstances of scarcity. Um, and it's interesting right now, I, I've been thinking a lot about this because we're in the midst of a pandemic, you know, that's causing people to be trapped indoors. This play is actually a lot about what it's like to be trapped inside, but, um, you know, in a place where the, I would say the inside is more terrifying than the outside for a lot of these characters. Yeah. And it's really about a pandemic. You know, we talked a lot about mm -hmm. um, mental illness in uh, this community, specifically this community in Harlem where the play is set. Um, and it's kind of a, mm -hmm. a silent pandemic of sorts, one that's been going on for a long time with not a lot of resources. Um, so it's, you know, it's, I think it has an interesting correlation to the, to the moment we're in now in a way that I think, you know, more people than before are probably beginning to understand, you know, the kind of yeah. the fear and the kind of psychological trauma that the play talks about. Um, it's important and it's, uh, we're really blessed that it's been able to go online uh, for the last two weeks of the run. Um, but that's been strange also. Yeah. I'm curious, Ren, like how are you feeling about having the play like recorded and, and out there in the world? I think the f first reaction to having it recorded and shared was gratitude that everyone on the team didn't want it to disappear and they made it happen really fast. Um, but you know, I mean, like we, we didn't get to make all the changes, you know, we didn't, uh, yeah. I think we're new work is that the structure of it is you're never, you're never, uh, finished, but you could just have to have faith. And I think that's what we did with that last show and like all the hearts there, all the work is there. Um, I haven't watched it since the edit that John made, but I'm planning mm. on doing it, um, soon. Uh, yeah, but like my cousins watched it. My grandma yeah. keeps texting me how to watch it. My dad's watching it. Mm. Um, I think today with his girlfriend and like, there's something nice about getting to watch this play at home. Um, there's something nice about 
getting to watch it only with the people that you choose mm -hmm. to be next to you during it. Um, and it's not the same as if you saw it live. Like I talked about my favorite preview where, um, you know, you have like regular rattlestick heads next to like these young students and, um, and teachers were there with like, I don't know, like just other young people, but people who would never relate, would never be sitting next to each other except for at a coffee shop or something like that. And um, I'm watching this young man, a young man of color, go through scene three and his hoodie keeps creeping up on his head. <laughs> and then I watched him like wipe away tears before the intermission. And I saw a woman next to him who wouldn't typically, I think, ever get to witness a boy like that in a vulnerable place like that. Um, clock it and like breathe, you know, and witnessing yeah. that was special. Yeah, well, I think that's the magic of your work and what it's done, right? And that's your work. Wow. Um, and it's kind of the whole point of theater, right? Like we're all in this room together and hopefully if you do it right, like people who wouldn't normally be getting to like learn and understand and feel a sense of like shared empathy no matter where you come from. Um, so in that way, I think it's been hard. I think, um, you know, the, the nature yeah. of what we do is like it's live, right? Um, that's what I love about it. You know, there's a certain kind of danger in that that is palpable and powerful. Um, and for a play like this, like I think really necessary. Um, yeah. We're lucky, right? Because we were in a position like second week of previews before we opened where we could have it recorded, you know, and Rattlestick did such a beautiful job of it. Um, but it's hard to watch because, you know, I think it doesn't really in any way capture what the experience of being in that theater is, like what your words can do, what the yeah. actors give you every night from night to night. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's you know, sound different. Yeah, and I, but I guess, you know, we're in a time where we have to be grateful for what we have. And um, I think certain things like do come through in a wonderful yeah. way and like how lucky we are that the play got to live, you know, longer, you know, as long as it was intended to live yeah. even in a different like medium. And filmed with such great care. I'm getting messages from people who are like, they closed yeah. up on this moment, like they really understood who to focus on when, and it was helpful for this and that. Like, yeah. Yeah, like which I think is another special film. It is. And like, I, I guess I was thinking about how, like, for you and I both, like, this was a big sort of opportunity for us as like younger emerging yeah. artists, you know, um, and how special it was that it was Rattlestick for us which takes yeah. me to like how we met and all that. Um, first time I remember meeting Ren, I was 22. I just moved to New York City um, from rural North Georgia. I grew up on a farm there. Um, and I was very much out of my element, but one of my first jobs in the city was directing for the MCC Youth Company. Um, and Ren was still there uh, she, as a young playwright. I think you were still in high school, oh my God. Ugh. And yeah, I think uh, it was my last year. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I heard immediately, you know, how talented she was. I, I was, I remember recalling like, who is this girl? Um, and we were both, you know, really fortunate, I think, um, to be brought together by, uh, you know, someone who was a mentor to us, um, both at the time, uh, Lucy Thurber was starting this like sort of youth company that was at Intar and then moved to Rattlestick Theater. And I'd say that like, I mean, I don't know about you, Ren, but for me, it was sort of like the alternative to grad school, the Middle Voice Theater Company, which is still the apprentice company of Rattlestick is 
it's a place where a lot of people from very different backgrounds, a collective of young artists got to come together and just make things. Listening to Lucy talk about wanting to have middle voice at Rattlestick, um, I mean, it's just this through line of scarcity in a way, like having that for me and a couple of other MCC alums was about these people are amazing artists and if they don't have somewhere to go, they're not gonna keep doing it. Mm. So like that being so important and hearing that at a young age and understanding that, oh, someone has to think that first for it to be possible. Uh, yeah. I think similar, yeah. And like a lot of us, I feel like in that, especially like our first, the first wave of us, I would say, we were all in like our early, mid twenties. Um, some of us were like late teens, right? As we weren't mm -hmm. necessarily coming from the kind of backgrounds where we knew exactly, you know, how to get into this business. Yeah. We didn't, you know, we couldn't afford grad school for the most part. We didn't know where to go. We didn't know where to look. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, Lucy had a passion for, you know, helping those kinds of talented new voices kind of find their way and, and feel like they had a home and feel like they could um, find a community in one another which is exactly what happened. This, that's how I really yeah. got to know Ren. I worked with Ren as an actor first, which she's also incredibly good at. Uh, first show I ever directed in the city, Ren, I did Waiting for Lefty uh, in a, you know, a, a version that we decided was going to change the American theater. Uh, and we took it to a bunch of parks and town halls and public places around New York City and performed. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> I know. Sometimes we're not even like one. That was my first. And that... <laughs> Oh my God, that was a, so amazing. And I only understood in hindsight that it was about conversation. Yeah. That it wasn't just, you know, about like listening to each other and talking in a, just, what do you call it? A tunnel, an echo yeah, chamber. a vacuum. No, it was really about like, yeah, yeah, a vacuum. It was about going out and like seeing who else mm. was waiting for someone to say these things, um, which is so special. And that was like my first real like um, role acting wise. You played I the cut doctor. my hair. <laughs> I played the oh doctor as a gunman. <laughs> she came in one day and then chopped all her hair off because uh, she didn't know to maybe check with the director story. about that. Um, and I yeah, just I didn't know. Being like, okay, um, <laughs> all right, okay, uh, and. Um, but, it, you know, it it's interesting nice. because we were like, you know, we were like babies and we didn't know what we were doing. But that like sense of community and conversation, the desire to breed conversation yeah. with people from different experiences from you and from, yeah. you know, different ends of the spectrum in this country, whether that be race or gender or orientation or class. Um, that was sort of the mission of the company. And I feel like as artists, Ren, I feel like that's still our mission. And like the siblings play is a great sort of. Yeah moment of that, I think coming to fruition in terms of like what we're about as artists, you know, we kind of share that passion, I think, for giving visibility to those who you don't normally see on the American stage. And not just doing it like for those communities, but doing it with those communities, right? It's a form yeah. of activism, you know, I think. Um, but uh, around like, I think like, I think I was like 24, 25 when you sent me the first draft of this play. Um, and I knew obviously that, yeah, it was like, it was one of the first drafts, very different draft. Um, yeah. And I remember I was like very honored that Ren wanted me to do a reading of it um, and work on it with her. 
because up until that point, we'd really mostly worked together as like um, actor and director. And um, I think the thing that struck me the most about the play that was educational and kind of mind blowing was that, <clears throat> like I mentioned before, I grew up in like rural North Georgia on a farm. And, uh, you know, Ren grew up in Harlem and Yonkers. And, and yet I'd never read a play that I felt like so in such a personal way uh, captured the complex dynamics of my own experience with family. Um, because we both come from cultures of scarcity, right? And scarcity often makes, makes it difficult to love people well in certain parts of, of this country. Um, and the way Ren captures that and, and it sort of is talking about that in a political way through writing about the personal um, was just, I mean, it reminded me of like when I read Long Day's Journey Into Night for the first time, you know, I thought it was magnificent. And I think it really educated me on like the kind of plays I could have a way into, you know, um, and the kind of writers whose writing I loved that I could collaborate with and had something to really, you know, bring to the table with them. Um, so I fell in love with the story uh, and being, I was an English major in college, I've always been a huge poetry person. That was actually my major. And I've always just been really drawn to writers who have a kind of poetic dialogue at the core of their voice. And Wren is very much that, um, you know, every period, every punctuation mark, um, the structure of her words on the page, all of it is deeply important and deeply, deeply rhythmic. Um, so I was really attracted to that and excited by that in the writing um, and just felt very privileged, you know, to get to work on it. And we did a lot of readings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to like also point out uh, that like love of language is just throughout your family blood like your mm. brother's a poet your sister is a memoirist and i think the reason why like no one else could have done this play but you is because of how we love our siblings it's very specific we kind of we kind of i've tried to talk about it and i just can't like yeah you know you know if you see it um and because you love them so much it's it's so much tied to the way that you love language it's like a, a fighting for the words, um, the way you fight for your, your siblings and protect mm. people you love. Um, it's, it feels really spiritual as well as really smart, the way that you um, guide everything to be in honor of what I've written. Um, and I've, I've, it's it's funny remember we've had this conversation where like yeah. we didn't know we wanted to work together for years no but we both i think you, you were, were telling lucy yeah <laughs> like why doesn't why doesn't ren want me to to direct her her work like why doesn't ren want to work with me and i would ask lucy like when's when's jenna gonna direct my stuff like when <laughs> she's doing everybody else's stuff like <laughs> yeah um, that was my favorite. I know, that was the I know. Best. I know. I think we're both, I think we're both, it's funny, we're both a little shy, you know? Yeah. Um, we won't. But also ballsy. Ballsy, well, yeah. Super fucking. Not, I don't know, like cocky. No, I don't know what the word is, but like we know yeah. we do good work. So we're like, I, so when are you going to ask me though? Like, yeah. when, yeah. But on, you know, like, let me know, right? 
<laughs> and then when well, and then we get insecure and we're like, well, I guess they don't want to work with me. <laughs> I guess I'm not a genius. No, and I, I really wanted to, but I also, I think I felt like it was important for you to ask me because do you know what I mean? Like what I mentioned yeah. about like access to like certain stories. Um, well, and, that and also, yeah. Um, like for you and I, and a lot of us in the company, um, theater is an act of, I mean, or like war or, or gathering together. Like, it's not just, it's not just a play for us. Um, Mm -mm. It's never just a play for us. So like it does, yeah, I get that. It would have to be on me because asking you to do a play is asking you to be part of my family and like hold me down. Yeah. Which I knew you could do. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I knew you could do. I mean, it's really beautiful what you said about like the way we love our siblings and the way we love the language, you know? I think that that was always something that was going to have to come in, you know, to the room and be fundamental to the storytelling. I mean, specifically yeah. the sort of like loyalty to the script and to the text, which is always important, right, in new work. Um, but yours in particular, in terms of like not just learning words, but learning music right learning rhythm because that love you talk about that fierceness it's like it's all over the page you know like it bleeds out of it um and i think that was an important element like when we were auditioning people too right it was like getting to hear that you know that kind of music in their own voice i think it's how we kind of brought the ensemble together you know and ending up with people a lot of whom were actually like from this area and like from new york city and you know, kind of understood the world in a really fundamental way because it was so important because it's hard, you know, it's hard to learn, um, you know, it's hard to learn music on an instrument you don't know, right? So in some ways I felt like we were trying to find musicians that kind of fit the score of the script. Um, You know, saw a lot of incredible actors, but, you know, coming down to like who has the right sound, you know, I think was really important Mm -hmm. to both of us. Because I enjoyed watching your reactions in auditions when someone would come in and just really hit those rhythms, you know? You know, those like smaller reactions you would have to them. It's like, okay, like this is, this is the way it needs to sound. This is the way it's supposed to sound. Um, And I think like throughout the process, this was like a deeply heavy rewrite process. Um, In my experience and another place too is always with Ren. She's very much a writer that like hears things in the room likes to, you know, get down and dirty and like dig in and is not afraid to kind of like, you know, really do some surgery on the script. Um, We had had a workshop production at Cherry Lane through the Mentor Project uh, a couple of years ago. So we had a really great head start, I think, with this script in particular. Um, You want to talk about Cherry Lane? That was amazing. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean... We, what I love is that um, we get to we got to keep family coming into Rattlestick because we kept Zach Blaine for lights and Angelica Borrero for set. Um, and uh, I mean, that was my first production. Like that was my first time really understanding what a play, yeah. like what, what I've been writing for. Um, because I think we've had so many readings of it and I almost got caught in the trap of writing for the table and writing just for sitting and speaking. Um, So getting to see it up there and just letting you, I mean, like 
it's so easy to work with you, especially on this play, because you get you study the rhythms and you already know the stakes so inherently. So like I can just sit back and watch you communicate with the actors and negotiate and like watch them, watch you watch them make the choices that help you learn even more about the characters. Um, so it was fun to just sit back and be like, oh, right, this is alive. Oh, I don't need 10 lines to say this, this beat. Oh, I can just, they can just say that word because they're feeling it now and it's alive. Cool. <laughs> so we like cut a lot, right? Oh, we did. Yeah. That was and my favorite realization. Well, I remember yeah. you saying that, like, it really struck me. I think because, um, you know, because I had like, uh, you had, you know, gone to a lot of really exciting places to develop the scripts. Like one of the, you know, I know you went out to Ojai and, you know, all these incredible opportunities. And I think there's a, you know, with new work, especially there's sometimes there's the trap of a great play that just is too much development almost, you know, even those opportunities are always yeah. useful. So, it, you know, one thing I think Ren said, to, we had a wonderful dramaturg, Ignacia Delgado. Um, and, you know, one of the things Ren sent to us before we ever started rehearsal was like, I'm worried I lost my play. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, you know, from that point forward, <laughs> our mission, I think Ignacia and I especially was like, how do we help Ren find the heart of her play again, right? What she initially set out to do. So it's interesting because I remember Ren, like we actually ended up going back to an older draft when we started the process, remember? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Which was exciting because it was actually, even though there was exciting things in other drafts too, it was like this actually, this is more the core of what you originally set out to say and the family, you originally started writing. Um, and I think that gave us an advantage because um, we didn't spend much time at the table in the beginning, you know? Yeah. That was important. I think because you'd had so much development, it was like, like it you is. said, like you could just rewrite yourself into a whole, like you need to see this, you know? Yeah. Um, so like most of the writing came out of things like after we'd really staged it, you know, there was a bigger, especially act two overhaul, like mid process. Um, which can get tricky, you know, mm -hmm. when you're like, oh, we have a preview in 14 days. <laughs> I love how you set that up, though. I think it worked really well. All yeah, the, it's what the play needed, yeah, right? I just kept talking about it, yeah. But just like having, we would we would stage, every day we'd stage a different scene or a different, my scenes are long, so like a section of yeah. the scene for the first week and then to get back to the table for act two was super helpful and then staging again. And I rewrote the last scene four days, five, four days before tech. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Was it that? Oh, yeah. well, yeah, there was like a similar ish rewrite the week mm -hmm. before that everyone cried at that everyone <laughs> was eviscerated by. Um, in a good way. Yeah. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. In a great oh, way. Oh, it's true. I think it's what the play needed. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. What I always, I feel like is, I understand about you, Ren, is that you have so many things going on in your mind at once. Um, Mm -hmm. and the storytelling can be like deceptively simple at times but like you you know it's a bit of a map you know the play yeah. and you kind of treat all areas and sections and characters that are moving around the map you know equally and you're kind of moving them all around simultaneously so I knew yeah. it was important to never let any section of the play ever get too far away from us you know yeah. so even if we were you know, staging a section of act one for two days, we also wanted to take some time and look at rewrites you were doing in act two, just because I think it enabled us to see like the full picture in a way that's so important in like a very complex weaving 
family yeah. drama that's so much about negotiation and boundaries or lack thereof. Yeah. Um, but I think that's one of my favorite parts of rehearsal with you is uh, getting to watch you rewrite in the room and getting to like be a part of that really special process. Yeah, it's awesome. I, yeah, I think you're the only one I trust to hear the things I don't hear um, when rewriting. Um, and even when I fight you, I know, I know you're right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and, not always. <laughs> um, but yeah, even, what was I going to say? Um, like off of that, off of the layering and how much you saw that. And I think it also comes with you having read so many drafts of it. Um, like the cutouts in the walls was so, so like everything. That's it. Um, That's it. Yeah, because I'd, I'd given up on kind of, I mean, really early on, I wanted, it was amazing. I mean, it was everything. It's so funny because people who know me are like, is that your living room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, Angelica but, Barrera, we were in very good hands. Oh, God. She's a genius. Yeah. You two together, Spia. And like. With your script, Spia. Yeah. Um, but seeing, getting to watch Butchie listen and also listen in the present when flashbacks are happening. Like you never being able to forget that even if we're following Marie, this has happened to a family um, because you could see them through the walls. Yeah, um, what Ren's talking about is our set, like the concept of it was, um, you know, I talked to Ren about how I felt to me like one of the most important things visually for the play was that it's the fact that there's a huge lack of boundaries, you know? And what if we made that literal, you know? Uh, so Angelica Barrera and I, uh, we talked about, you know, what if we took this kind of like traditional American family drama, slice of life living room idea, right? It's like this kind of perfect cutout. Um, of these people's lives, usually upper middle class white family living rooms, right? Um, but instead, what if it was more like a bomb went off? You know, what if it was like someone kind of reached down and kind of ripped off a side of this building in Harlem and exposed that which was within? Um, and so you saw a lot of like stud walls and like kind of, um, you know, kind of the decayed brick and the guts of everything, both, you know, from the outside of the building, but also internally inside the apartment as well, you know? So, you know, kind of like these characters, they can go into their bedroom and shut the door, but they can't really escape their trauma, right? They can't escape their memories, as Ren is so eloquently and theatrically like put into the play. So what if we just took all the walls away, you know? Um, and I think it was, yeah, it was really powerful and it worked, it worked beautifully. I think, you know, masterfully, I think. the rattlestick stage, right? We just, we used, it. it was kind of like an installation piece. We used every, every like inch of that stage and the bathrooms and the closets and like back into the dressing room area. Um, it was kind of a far reaching concept that really came out of the script, you know, in a beautiful way. Uh, I guess we should talk about the flashbacks, right? And how we like, collaborated on like how to how to theatricalize trauma in a way that um you know in a play that's also like deeply naturalistic at times you yeah. know it's kind of what I I mean it's one of the other things I love about your writing and what I tend to love about um writers like you is that there's kind of this really I guess I would call it like a deeper psychological landscape that exists in a world of intense realism 
you know? And the more you actually lean into that realism, the more you actually, I think, are able to kind of like lift the veil into that more cerebral space in the play. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when the, in the first drafts of the script, well, you should talk about this. Demons. The first draft. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Um, so in the beginning, uh, anytime there was a flashback, I would call them demons. The demons come in. The demons uh, dance between your teeth and behind your eyes. Um, because no, I, didn't, I didn't know how to articulate that these were uh, that I was being that the the characters were being triggered and it was trauma and it, and the way that they were acting sometimes wasn't um, completely how they wanted to act they just couldn't help reacting to everything that's happened to them before um, so it, it felt like possession mm. um, and it wasn't until I think I was with you and Lucy that I understood that those were that was trauma and this is flashbacks it's not a haunting it is a haunting but it's not a literal one you're actually in control um you just have to find a way to get out of the maze that is your own mind um which was really helpful in tracing that for marie um so that it wasn't too confusing i'm happy that in the final one you you can very clearly see because of the way that you um, you all made these flashbacks work that that everyone is supposed to be moving through them mm. You know, I mean, it's literally tracing Marie, but but when Logan has to do it Logan's really thick like Logan really did, you yeah. know, and he's still feeling these things and so is Lenora She's still feeling those things um, And Butchie yeah. and Leah. Yeah Well, there's so much humanity in those scenes, right? Like it's you know, I think the trauma that you were able to kind of incorporate into this, you know, you know, naturalistic, you know, nearly present day story, these flashbacks that take place in the past, like it's, it's very different from like a memory play, you know, I mm -hmm. think about um, the way that memory plays in, in traditional ways, you know, I think about like the, the glass menagerie and things like that, where there's a monologue and then we sort of like very delicately enter into the past, right? Um, in a narrative kind of clean way. Um, and this wasn't that, right? I was no. like, okay, like the nature of PTSD, which Marie, the main character suffers from is that it's, it's literally a memory that because it is, it is too traumatizing, uh, the brain cannot process it, right? So therefore the brain keeps repeating it. Um, and in, you know, long-term chronic PTSD that as you know, we, I think we, I definitely read a lot about like going into the play. Um, it's, it gets out of control. You know, the mind takes over the memories come whether you want them to or not. So I, I feel like the design team and I like we're looking at what Ren has in the text and how jarring the experience is for the characters, but also how, you know, they are taking place in real time within the character's mind. Right. Yeah. So they need to be alive. You know, they need to be human. It needs to be like this theatrical comet kind of like, you know, comes and like hits the stage in these moments and mm -hmm. it's abrupt and it's jarring. So the ins and outs of the flashback, I think, you know, became these, you know, much more kind of uh, theatrical moments in terms of lights and sound. But once we landed in them, it was really important to embrace the humanity of them and the naturalism in them as well. Right. Um, which I think was important too, in terms of 
you know, you wrote the parents as, which I appreciated and loved, as like complicated humans, right? They're not villains. Um, no, they're trying really hard to love well. Don't yeah. Know how. yeah. And it's a cycle of, you know, if just like the kids, if you're not taught boundaries, if you're not taught to love well, then how do you know, right? How do you yeah. know how to love? You know, is that, is that the cost of that kind of scarcity? I was um, also thinking about that. The, so the, I love how you would talk about the language of the flashbacks with the designers um, and like how, when we did it at Cherry Lane, the video games was a really helpful way in because of the mm. character and to have the, um, the triggers be like these, these bars of LED that would glitch and like rupture like neurons in the brain and then allow the memories to come through. Um, and we kind of, we kept that in this one, um, but it was all in, like it really, every time I watched it, it felt like the house was breathing. Mm. Um, it was, yeah. Well, and that's, you know, you put that in the text in a way that I think really resonated with me and with a lot of our incredible designers too, Zach Blaine, uh, Michael Castagliano, uh, Andy Jean did costumes is that, you know, you talked so much about how the walls were alive, right? And that's where the yeah. ghosts come from, you know? So the geography of, of, the geography of the trauma was something that was like intrinsic to like the, it's tangible within the space itself, right? So how do we, um, how do we get, uh, how do we, how do we like make that, you know, in a stationary like place, you know, and in a yeah. black box theater, um, in a proscenium setting, like how do we actually make it feel like we're trapped, right, along with them, you know, that, it, that, that the apartment itself is kind of like an organism yeah. of this family's toxicity, right, and the yeah. cycle of mental illness and neglect that is kind of inherited down from them all. Um, so it took a lot of, I think, very, very smart, uh, very creative designers to kind of, um, who all, I think, you know, the script makes it easy, I think, to tonally find the right place, you know, because Ren has such a very specific tone to her poetry. Um, so as long as we always leaned into that, um, you know, the results, I think, were congruous and made that collaboration, I think, really, really fun, you know? Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed, like, getting to experiment so much in the tech process and, you know, getting to, like, check in with Ren, which I think is really important along the way about, like, how are you feeling? Like, that's my rough draft yeah, of yeah. that transition. Yeah, that, that was my favorite. Like, how are you feeling about that? Um, I'd love and that. And then, cause... you know, based off of her response, can go back and say, like, okay, mm -hmm. let's pull back on this, right? Let's try this. Um, well, also incorporating, you know, the designer's notes as well. Yeah, you'd often anticipate how I was feeling about um, uh, some of the some of the work, and uh, I was always just marveling at what y'all were making most of the time until later <laughs> when I would learn what you were doing, and then I was like, oh wait, yeah, can we make it more like this? But oftentimes it was just yeah, yeah. I, and I always trusted that you you know it was a process, and we both were going to end up that our dream for everything was in the same place. So it was yeah. amazing. Well, I think a lot of the conversations we had before we started, right, made that clear. Which even in a play, I feel like, even in a play you've worked on for years, you know, like as a director, I think it's still always important to have those conversations before rehearsal start, you know, that just mm -hmm. you're on the same page, you know, like your priorities are the play's priorities. Um, you know, if you, I think if you let those few like guiding principles that you know are vital to your writer kind of guide you throughout, like you can't really go wrong. Um, Cause in new work, 
I at least believe, you know, passionately that in new work, um, everyone's kind of loyalty to the text is first and foremost, right? You have to kind of put the text above all else, which can be challenging, right? In a truncated process, um, you know, I, and we were lucky we had such incredible actors who were very game. Um, but, you know, you're going into previews every night, you've got four hours of rehearsal in the day and Ren comes in with some rewrites. Um, and I think as a director, you have to, you have to really um, calibrate, okay, like what are the priorities for costumes today? Like, what is my lighting designer dying to do? Um, what spots do I need to hit with my actors? What notes do I really want to give? And all of those things, you know, I think I try to shape them around, you know, Ren's priorities for yeah. the day. So I think sometimes you would send like, you know, sometimes like a, like a list of smaller things or bigger things. Yeah. You'd have to say like, all right, today, we'll today. yeah, these are going in because they're most important to Ren and they're what we know the cast can handle for like a four hour rehearsal yeah. and the rest are going to have to wait till Friday, right? I think that the way I get with my work and with when I need help and stuff like that, I'll often go the opposite direction of how I need to work. With you, it's super easy to text or call or just vent over a smoke break. <laughs> I think we got a lot of things aligned during our smoke breaks together. Yeah, we probably, um, you should probably edit that out because we do not encourage smoking among young people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, or Our breaks outside when we would walk around. I feel like we had a lot of, we would always like on <laughs> minute breaks. We would always, I think, find one another usually and check in. Yeah, it was easy to just trust that like, all right, we're not going to get here today, but we'll get there. Um, but also like, I don't know, letting go of some, some things as well. I mean, just cause we, yeah, we had till Friday for rehearsal, but we were going to close on Saturday. So I think what we did on Friday was the most amazing and ideal thing to have done. Yeah. Um, well, I love yeah. that we kept working, you know, um, like Ren said, like we knew, all right, the show's gonna be recorded on Saturday. We found out like maybe two days before that we were shutting down, you know, as it was like that week that, you know, Broadway had just gone dark and off Broadway was like every day, uh, you know, a new theater was closing. Um, mm -hmm. But it was really like, nobody knew what was happening and we were a smaller house, you know, so for now we were still open and then suddenly we were closing and they were gonna record it. Um, but we still had these rehearsals left, you know, for these like four shows and, uh, we kept working and I loved that, you know, and everybody wanted to, you know, it's kind of like the band played on a little bit, yeah. you know, uh, that Ren, Ren was putting in rewrites the day before our, you know, last show. Um, because that's what new work is. That's what it's all about. And because she was still learning night to night from those audiences and we all were still fighting, you know, for this play to be everything it was. Um, which, you know, I think, uh, you kept saying the word trust, Ren, and I think that to me is the most important element of collaboration with a playwright, um, and on new work especially, is there has to be a level of trust, you know? Um, I think Ren and I were lucky because we had that going in, you know, on both a personal and a professional level. Um, but to me, that trust translates into, you know, being open to, A, being educated by each other, right? You know, I think there were certainly things about this world and about uh, some of these experiences that like, you know, a good director knows when to say, I don't know, can you help me? Can you help me help this character, right? Because this isn't my world, 
you know, and I understand this about it in matters of the heart, but there's some things I'll fundamentally never understand, right? Because of various things, you know, because of how I grew up or where I grew up, because of the color of my skin, et cetera. And there's a lot of power, I think, in admitting that, putting that into the room. It makes it, a, I think, a deeply trusting and collaborative room, you know, with everyone, um, but especially your writer. I think I'm, I'm like, I don't, I'm feeling deeply moved by right now about the, the um, resilience of our community and the immediacy which we embraced are embracing mediums that are not our medium to in order to express our medium. You know, I think fundamentally we're artists, right? So we're people who, um, there was a, there is a, you know, a powerful part of us that needs to express, right? It's how we got into this crazy business to begin with. Um, I, I think Ren and I had the experience of, you know, getting to see something that was made to be live, um, captured, in a way that it's normally, you know, not really supposed to be in terms of how the audiences experience it. Um, but in, again, like times of, of, of scarcity and fear and in the midst of this pandemic um, was incredible to be able to do. And people ugh, in places, you know, in the world that never would have gotten to see this play are, are actually getting to see it, you know? Um, so I guess I'm, I'm both committed to the liveness of the theater and I cannot wait to get out there and be in a theater with my community again. You know, I am um, certainly gonna be a part of that wave when we return and support all of these theaters and all that they're going through right now. And all of these artists and all of these writers, which, you know, years and years of work have gone into these plays like, like Ren's play. And, you know, like Ren's play, these, these plays deserve life, you know, deserve runs. Um, I think the siblings play certainly deserves it. I'm looking forward to Ren and I doing this again somewhere should the, when the opportunity presents itself. Because um, the stories are important and they're vital and they're a huge part of our culture. And culture is something I think we all need right now. Culture reminds us who we are and it keeps us human. Um, so while I'm looking forward to that and determined for that, I'm also, um, I think really embracing and encouraging everyone else to embrace expressing yourselves, you know, and what are you working mm -hmm. on? How are you working on it? Mm -hmm. Like show us, put it out there. Even just, you know, doing this conversation with Ren right now, God, it's deeply meaningful. It, you know, it reminds me of why, why this all matters and what it's all about and what we lost going into this, but also what we're gaining, right? By surviving it together. So much about what the play is, right? People mm -hmm. surviving, you know, despite their circumstances and doing so because because they each possess the creative power within them, you know, that I think in very different ways gives them an ability to articulate, you know, which is not something that all people have, but it's something that all people look for. And I think yeah. as artists, we have a responsibility, right, to articulate in this time. Um, and we need to keep doing that no matter how. Yeah, I mean, the hardest, somebody had said this the other day that like, because of this theater is going to change and it's going to have to be digital um and i adamantly disagreed with that um i think that theater has been around as long as people have been around in different forms campfire storytelling history um i think that it's hard not to be able to gather i think theater is about gathering um and i think theater teaches you how to be brave um because you're in a room together you can't hide 
in this moment. I mean, you can, but you're going to feel it. Um, everyone's going to feel it and you can't ignore that. Um, so fighting for that kind of bravery, um, in communicating with each other and sharing stories when we can't gather, longing to gather, the longing for that sort of recognition of like when someone steps back or hides or can't be in the room, um, finding a way to do that when we can't actually be physically together is probably the goal for me. Um, trying to reach through with my voice or with a video. Um, and hold someone's hand, um, I think is super essential right now. People really need it. Um, yeah, sometimes yeah. the longing is, sometimes the longing is what saves you, right? I think we're strong because we have so many people that we can't let go of, that can't yeah. disappear. Our artistic yeah. fam, most, I think those artistic fans are, families are really important right now. Yeah. I will always keep longing Rendera Santiago, as long as you are writing. I will always be <laughs> <keep> longing. <laughs> I love you. I love you.